powerful is the Cox Network. So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. We made USAA insurance for veterans like James. When he found out how much USAA was helping members save, he said, It's time to switch. We'll help you find the right coverage at the right price. USAA. What you're made of, we're made for. Restrictions apply. You're about to receive a life-giving message from Bishop Kevin Foreman, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Center, one church in global locations. To find out more about Bishop Foreman and Harvest Christian Center, visit our website at www.harvestcc.me. And remember to love God, love people, and love life. Hallelujah. Lift your Bibles out. Let's make our confession of faith. I am unconditionally loved by God and at harvest. I come to God as I am, but I won't stay as I am because the life-giving message I'll receive will make me more like the great I am. I'm on 10 and I win in Jesus' name. Father, we bless you now. We thank you for this word today. Customized, tailor making for us, your people, that we would move and walk in what you have ordained. And this year, Father, it is that we would be on 10, experiencing the best of the best people, places, things, and ideas. We declare that we are shalom. That is Hebrew. Nothing is missing. Nothing is broken. Nothing is lacking. All is well concerning our lives in the name of Jesus. And today, we declare that a reset begins in our finances. There shall be no lack. There shall be no stress. There shall be no fear. And we, as we reset our finances, in Jesus' name, somebody shout hallelujah. Normally, I'd have you look at a scripture here, but we're going to look at a few today. So just introduce today's message to somebody as you take your seats and just high-five them and tell them, reset your finances, reset your finances. You can be seated today. Uh, in this life-giving message series, we're resetting and creating new beginnings. And so far in this series, we've hit reset in ourselves. We've uh, reset how we see success through the lenses of its side effects and through learning the ABCs. And then Wednesday, we even learned a D that we need to cut out of our lives to reset. We learned how to reset the right relationships. And last week, we learned how to reset our faith with the fast. And today, I want to teach you how to reset your finances. Say, I need a reset in my finances. Now, many people separate spirituality from success and faith from finances, but they're not separate. They're like hand and glove, Hogan and Dawes, Binge and Jerry's, Crispy and Cream, Laverne and Shirley. Them too. Smith and Wesson. Watch this now. Now, watch this. In fact, watch this. There's over 2,300 verses in the Bible about money, which is more than prayer, which is more than faith, which is more than heaven, which is more than hell, which means money's important to God. Now, watch this. Sometimes your finances can get funny and they need a reset. Now, hear me. Everybody listening isn't experiencing financial lack. For some people, it's that they like more finances so that they can be able to change more lives. So this message is for everybody. Whether you got some lack or whether you just want abundance, this message is for you. So do not tune me out. Do not drown me out because you need a reset in your finances. Lay your hands on yourself. Say, I need a reset in my finances. We're about to learn that sometimes financial funnies have nothing to do with uh, finances as seen as one of the four areas you can reset now to reset your finances. And we're going to look at this today. It was so profound at the 915 because most people think that money problems are caused by money and financial problems are caused by finances. But the truth is they are not. Hear me, church. You cannot cast out of your life what you give consent to remain in your life. 
So if you're okay with lack, then it will stay. And if you're okay with not having abundance, it will stay. But I think of some people at this 11, 15 a.m. experience on this Labor Day weekend that say, I'm not okay with lack. I'm not okay with begging and barn and this and that. I declare if God said I can have abundance, doggone it, that's what I want. Well, what's this? Now, it's time to cast out lack out of your life. And again, if that's not where you are, abundance is what you need to see in your life. As we serve in Ephesians 3.20, God, he is the God that does exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think. Which means I don't just need enough, I need more than enough so I can be a blessing. How are you going to be a blessing if you can't take care of yourself? But today, I declare a reset is happening in your finances. Touch your neighbor and say, no more lack, no more lack. And tell them, say, abundance from this moment forward. Abundance. Abu you ought to stand in agreement with what's being preached in this house today. Don't separate your faith from your finances and do not separate your spirituality from your success. Number one, here it is. What creates financial funnies? Now, when I say financial funnies, that means when your money gets funny, your change gets strange. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's when it seems like you got more bills than supply. You understand what I'm saying? Seem like your credit is crazy. Got it? Okay, say financial funnies. Watch this. Here's the number one thing that causes that. You're absent in building your church. You're absent in building your church. Bishop, what do you mean? What does that have to do with finances? I'm going to show you. Haggai 1 and 2. Thus says the Lord of hosts, saying, this people says, the time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Here's what God's people were saying to him. They were saying, God, it's not time for us to take care of your business. Let us do our thing first. Verse 4, it is, is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your panel houses and this temple lie in ruins? God is saying, how is your house more important than my house? How are you handling your business, but you're not taking care of my business? Verse 5, now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Lord of hosts is a Hebrew phrase. It is a term for God. It means God who fights for us. Lord, L-O-R-D, is all caps there, which is God's actual name. God is not God's name. God is a term. It is a title. It comes from the 6th century uh, word gudan, which means source or deity. God's name is Yahweh in Hebrew, Jehovah in the English. His full name is yad heh So when you see Lord there, it's Y-H-W-H, which is his whole name. So much so that the uh, Jews said don't take the name in vain so they wouldn't even utter the name because they knew that the name had power to change everything so now therefore thus says the name somebody say the name the name the name now therefore says the name that fights for you it literally means the God of angel armies he said I'm going to tell you why your finances are suffering you need to consider your ways Look at verse 6. You've sown much and you bring in little. You eat but you do not have enough. You drink but you're not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves but nobody's warm. And he who goes to work and works every single week, he earns wages but he puts that money into a bag with holes in it. Now catch it out. When the Bible says you've sown much, it is implying that they've already tithed. What's the tithe? First 10% of what comes to your mouth. It uh, comes into your hands it, or, or, or the gross to be specific. Now when it's saying sowing, it means they're giving above their tithes. So check it out. He's saying, you're giving, but your finances are still funny. And the reason is because you put your house in front of my house. It's quiet in this here church. Look at what he says. He says, verse 6. He says, you've sown much. He says, you give above your tithes. He says, but you bring in little. He says, you eat, but you don't have. You drink, but you're not filled. You clothe yourselves. Ain't nobody warm. And you go to work every single day. You work hard for your money. You work hard for it, honey. He says, you earn wages, but you put them into a bag with holes. Is there anybody at any point in your life where you've ever felt like, where is the money going? 
It might be because you've been absent and building the church, but today there's a reset in this here atmosphere. Look at verse 7. Therefore, consider your ways. So he tells them twice. So whenever God repeats himself, it's called the law of witness. God says, I'm trying to make sure you get the point. Redundancy is the teacher's best friend. So anything that is repeated is something that needs to be remembered. He says, consider your ways. Verse 8, go up to the mountains and bring wood and build a temple. Now for you and I practically today, he says, build a church. Say, build a church. That I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. Verse 9, you looked for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, watch this. I blew it away, says the Lord who fights for you. But I ain't fighting for you because you think your house is more important than mine. He says, because my house is in ruins while every one of you runs to his own house. God says, you're trying to build your own thing, your own kingdom, your own life, your own this. And God says, I didn't die for you to do your own thing. I died so that you would do my thing. And if you take care of my thing, your thing will come to pass. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all everything else is going to be added unto you. Look, look, look. He, He says, I blew it away. Check the principle out. God says, you have financial issues, not because you're not giving. He said, you have financial issues because you're not using your life to build the church. And he says, if you think your house is more important than my house, God says, we're going to see to your tax return. Y'all ain't going to say nothing. To all that money you just got. To that raise you just got. This is the Bible. Touch your neighbor says, it's in the book. No, no, watch this. Watch this, church. Watch this. Notice. It's creating financial issues, but it has nothing to do with finances. Verse 10. Therefore, the heavens above you withhold the dew and the earth withholds its fruit. Now, now, this is an agricultural culture, so you and I maybe can't relate to this. He says, but the heavens above you, they're withholding their dew, which means, watch this, what you're sowing can't be watered. Since it can't be watered, there can't be a harvest. And he's saying the earth is withholding its fruit. But here's what I love about the verse. It doesn't say it's erased. It says it's withheld. Which means God says, the moment you start using your life to build my church and build my house, he says, everything that's been with hell will release it. Some of y'all got harvest that's been built several years of your life. And God says, the moment you start using your life to build the church, he's going to release it. Touch your neighbor and say, there's a release waiting on you. Did you see the verse? He says, therefore, the heavens withhold it didn't say they got rid of it it just says they're not letting you have it but today and the earth is withholding its fruit verse 11 for i called for a drought on the land and on the mountains on the grain on the new wine and the oil and whatever the ground brings forth on men and livestock and all the labor of your hands look at this leave that up he says and all the labor of your hands he says this means you're going to work hard and be tired and still not have enough he said and the reason is is because you're not using your life to build my house You're trying to build your house. But I think there's somebody on your road that says, now that I know better, watch me do better. Where are the real people at? Touch your neighbor and say, now that I know better, watch me do better. Now watch this. How do we build a church, Bishop? Through the five T's. I've taught you these things through time. That's church attendance. That's why it's good to see an overflow house on a Labor Day weekend at 1115. What's this? Oh, sis, but, but, but then number two, your treasure, that's your giving, tithes, offerings, and first fruits. Three, your talent, that's using your gifts and talents and abilities to serve in the church. Don't tell me what you're doing out there. Tell me what have you done for him lately. Ooh, yeah. I don't know what that song is. Okay, what's this? 
your thirst. That's your prayer, praise, and worship. And finally, fifth, your testimony. Five T's. Somebody say the five T's. All right. So what are you doing? That's inviting people to church. Got it? So you do those five things to build the church. And God says, if you're not doing that, your finances are going to be funny. Which means that person you should have invited to church yesterday while you was picking up some more spinach and fruit blend. God says, your finances were connected to that invitation. And you didn't even know it, but today. Psalm 35, 27, watch this. Let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause. And let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified. Now, uh, who has pleasure? Say pleasure. pleasure. Come on, talk to me, 11, 15. Say pleasure. pleasure. In the prosperity of his servant. Now, here's what you need to understand. God is not in his people doing bad. God is not into his people struggling. He's not into his people suffering. He's not into his people being at the bottom. He's not into his people being the tail. He said, I want you to be the head, not the tail, above, not beneath. He's not interested in you not doing well. Touch your neighbor and say, he wants you to do well. You might as well drop that slave mentality off of your life. You might as well drop that I got to struggle my all of my life. You might as well drop the color purple all my life I had to fight mentality out of your life. God says, I want my people to do well. Not just in the pulpit, but everybody. High five your neighbor and say, we're supposed to do well. What kind of God wouldn't want his people to do well? What kind of father wouldn't want his people to do well? What? My sis. He says he has pleasure in the prosperity. Now, the antonym there or the opposite of pleasure, of pleasure uh, is to dislike, which means he dislikes when his people don't do well. So I don't know about you. If he likes it for me to do good, I, I, wanna, I, I want him to like it. I want him to be happy. Anybody want to make him happy? Well, he says to make me happy, I need you to do well. Touch your neighbor saying, I'm going to make him happy. I don't care what failures you've had yesterday. From this day forward, you're going to make them happy. I don't care what mistakes you made even this morning. From this day forward, you're going to make them happy. And the book says that he delights in the prosperity. Now, prosperity, there's not just money. Because you can have money and be crazy. So what good is if money and you're crazy? you just a rich crazy. And please understand, I, I know many rich crazies. And they ain't nothing but crazies with some money. And the problem with being rich and crazy is that the problems you make are bigger, so it takes more money to clean them up. Some of y'all to thank God that, that you didn't quite have as much excess up to this point because you would have made some big old mistakes. Thank God you made them down here at level one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. But from this moment forward, you on level 10, the best of the best. Thank God that prosperity there is the Hebrew word shalom and we trademarked it is the Hebrew word shalom which means nothing missing nothing lacking nothing broken all is well more specifically it means safety favor healthy wholeness safety favor healthy wholeness which means God says I want your body right watch this I want your skin right watch this y'all ain't said that I want your appetite right I want I, I want everything about you right. I want you to be safe. I want you to have favor. What is favor, Bishop? It is preferential treatment. What does that mean? It means because of whose son I am, I get treated better than everybody else. And favor is not fair if you don't have it. But if you got it, it's the best thing going. Touch your neighbor and say, he wants you to be favored. What's preferential treatment? It means I know that's what you do for everybody else. But my daddy is the owner. And since my daddy is the owner, I get treated different than everybody else. Favor means you'll walk into the car lot and they'll say, this is the deal. But baby, I'm favored. That may be the deal you give them, but the deal you're going to give me? Y'all not saying nothing. 
favor, watch this, money can buy you a doctor, favor will make you healthy. Money can buy you a lawyer, but favor will get you some justice. Touch your neighbor and say, he wants you to be favored. Uh, healthy, whole, uh, nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing lacking, all is well. But notice this, wait a minute, we have a little bit of a caveat here. He says, I delight in the prosperity, or I take pleasure in the prosperity. Oh, actually, he doesn't say of his people. He doesn't actually say that. He, he actually says, of his servants. Now, this word servant there is the Hebrew word abed. That's the language of our Old Testament, which means bond servant. It's one who uses their life very plainly to change the lives of others. Let me make it plain. It's somebody who serves in the church using their life to change the lives of other people. Now, watch this. Check this out. God says, we get happy when them that serve do well. So if the caveat to making him happy and prosperity is serving, I need to get in where I fit in. And if you're at a physical campus, that means take care of you and begin serving. And if you're at a digital campus, your serving is inviting people. But the book says he delights in the prosperity, not of his people. He delights in the prosperity of them that serve. Notice your finances can be affected if you're not using your life to build his church. Number two, bad stewardship. This creates financial funnies. You don't need more finances if you're a bad steward of the finances you have. That's like somebody saying, if I just had $100, my life would be so much better. You don't do right with 10. 100 ain't going to do nothing but be a bigger mistake. Y'all not saying nothing. Uh, watch this. You just need to steward what you have better. Uh, stewardship is nothing more than management of resources. Say, I'm a manager of resources. So here's my question as it relates to your finances. Where's your budget? Or do you just kind of wake up and just say, Lord, just do it, Jesus? Are you an emotional spender? When somebody does you wrong, you go out and buy something? I know somebody like that. I know somebody like that. All right. Where's your budget? Touch your name and say, where's your budget? It's real simple. If you got more going out than coming in, you have what's called a budgetary crisis. You have a fiscal crisis. And unlike the federal government of the United States, you can't just keep rolling the debt. Got quiet right there. Got super quiet. I mean, like the noise level just totally dropped out right there. Where's your budget? Uh, do you treat what you have like it's the best? Or do you complain about it wishing you had something else? Well, bitch, if I had a nicer car, I'd treat it nice. No, you wouldn't. If you can't take care of your hoopty, you are not going to take care of something nicer than that. This is Denver. Translation. Hoopty is an urban colloquialism, which means a vehicle that has several issues simultaneously. So a hoopty got missing this, missing that. I ain't going to call out specific stuff because I don't want nobody to get self-conscious. It's got missing this, it's missing that. You got to give people special instructions when they come in your car. Like, if you let somebody borrow, you're like, now just make sure you turn it like this here when you do that. Don't do it like you, okay? <laughs> if you can't manage your hoopty well, God says, then why would I give you something greater than that? You're not managing your resources well. But today, touch your neighbor and say, I declare you a great steward. I declare you a great steward. I wrote a book on the subject, and it's amazing to see the number of prayer requests regarding finances compared to how many people have the book and read it and apply the principles in it. Now, say my stewardship must improve. Now, I said, because I know what somebody's saying, Bishop, I've got plenty of money. Bless God. 
Hallelujah to his high and holy name. I got more money, more money, more money, more money, more money. I couldn't possibly be a bad steward. Having finances doesn't mean you're a good steward. It could just mean that your stuff's getting ready to be transferred to somebody that's a better steward than you. The wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous, which means it could just be your transfer that ain't came yet. Stewardship is management of resources. And Romans 12, 18 says, and know his will and approve the things that are excellent. Approve means to allow, tolerate the things that are excellent. Question, how do you manage the resources you have or are you just complaining, wishing you had more? How do you handle your current money? Or are you just saying, I need more money? And the reality is you don't need more money because you don't know how to manage lesser money. In fact, some of the greatest thing that could have ever happened to you is financial setback. Why? It made you be a better steward. Some of you ought to shout about the fact that you don't have as much as you want. Why? Because God's saying you're going to learn how to manage what you have and be a good steward. Are you hearing what I'm saying, church? In fact, limitations spawn your greatest innovations. Some of y'all, watch this, before you could go uh, eat, eat what you wanted and all that, you remember the days where your only options were, uh, uh, were cornflakes in a black and white box. Now, only a select group of folk maybe know what I'm talking about. Maybe your only option was peanut butter that was anointed. See, if you don't know what I'm talking about, this ain't nothing for you, but let me talk to them people that know what I'm talking about. The cheese you got made the best grilled cheese sandwiches in the world. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just look straight ahead. And just Now, watch this, watch this. Do you just complain about what you have or are you managing what you have well? If that's been you, where you've been complaining about the resources you have, not just finances, but everything, how do you treat your car? How do you treat your house? Stop saying if we had a bigger place, we'd treat it nice. No, you still be trifling. It'd still be dirty. It'd still be, excuse the mess, excuse the mess. If you can't manage a two-bedroom, why in the world are you asking him for something else? Oh, y'all ain't going to say nothing right through here. All right. All right. Because I know Christian people just want to hear, Lord, just make it rain. He'll make it rain if you'll be a good steward. Watch. Watch. What's this? What's this? What's this? Great stewards make nouns, people, places, things, and ideas. They make them excellent. Which means, watch this, is it better because you're there? Okay, watch this. How do you manage what you have? How do you manage your car? All right, since y'all ain't going to sit in, I'll do what I did to the 915. We, in between the experiences, we went out and set a camera team out to take some footage inside of the vehicles of everybody in the, in the auditorium. I can see some of y'all now, excuse me, I got to just run out. I, just, I got to go to the bathroom. I've been drinking all that water on the fast, excuse me. I'm just joking. We didn't do that. That's a great idea, though. Somebody uh, take that down for me. That's, uh, we're going to do that. All right, watch this. <laughs> now, now, watch this. Here's what I need you to say. Here's what I need you to say. How do you manage the resources you have? Got it? What's your car look like? Do you have french fries in there that are from a previous decade? You've seen it down there. you just like, but the vacuum won't fit down there, so I'm just going to leave it there. But Bishop, it ain't nice. See, you don't understand stewardship. Stewardship doesn't complain about what it has. Stewardship says, I'm going to take what I have and make it the best. Which means if I got a hoopty, watch me put some armor all on them tires. Watch me go shine it up. Watch me make it clean. I've told y'all this story before. I had a vehicle, and, and, and it was a flash blizzard. 
And it was a, uh, it was a, uh, I had an accident. This lady stopped, and uh, she just stopped out of nowhere. And so my car slid into hers, and and, uh, and so it was a sedan. And so the whole front part was tore up, but it was still drivable. And it was a flash blizzard, so there's nothing I could do. It was a Friday evening. There was nothing I could do. And so I had a choice. Say, Bishop, I had a choice. I could either sit there and be like, well, I ain't going nowhere because the car look all messed up and this and that. And I ain't trying to drive this and that. But I said, no. I said, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I said, now, nah, it looks a mess on the front. I said, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. The part that can be washed is going to get washed. We armor all them tires up real nice. I put my sunroof back, have my gospel music playing nice and loud. And people looking like, why are you doing that? Baby, I'm a good steward, which means deal me a bad hand if you want to. Watch me learn how to play it well. I'll take a lemon and make me a lemonade and make me a lemonade stand. Then I'll make some lemonade franchises. Don't mess with me. I'm a good steward. Touch your neighbor and say, I'm a good steward. How do you manage what you have? What's your house look like? What's your bedroom look like right now? I did it at the 915, so I'm going to do it here too at the 1115. Because I want to know why you picked the 1115. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Watch this. Do you have piles of clothes in your bedroom that were on your bed that you just, you just get so tired you don't even want to fool with the clothes? You like, and so you pick them up off your bed and just put them over here. We'll deal with them tomorrow. So y'all ain't saying nothing because I must be all up in the gulag. Your idea of getting ready is going on a scavenger hunt. Where did I put that? I don't even know that I think it's over there. I think it's over there. You got clothes and kitchen cabinets and stuff because you're just so absent-minded. How do you manage what you have? Okay, ladies, 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 what does your bathroom look like? Watch this right now. Post your good morning get ready's. I mean, right now, right now. If we were to go to your house right now, and take one of these hit cameras into your house. What would it look like right now? I got to hurry up. I got to go. But that says you're a bad steward because you knew what time you needed to leave the house. You just wouldn't get up early enough. So you're in a rush because you don't steward your time well. It's quiet up in here. Oh, but I speak it into your life. Your days of bad stewardship are over. Touch your neighbor and say, I manage all my resources well. Not just my finances, but my, but my time, my energy, my effort. Shout, I'm a great steward. Okay, but not just your stuff. How do you manage other people's stuff? How do you manage the stuff uh, that's other people's? Luke 16, 12 says this. And if you have not been faithful in what's another man's, who will give you what is your own? Watch this. Stop praying to be a business owner and you're a sloppy employee. It's not happening. It's not happening. Put this verse up. It says, and if you have not been faithful in another man's, here's what Jesus is implying. What dummy would give you your own? He's saying to his people, why are you asking me for your own when you're not doing good with somebody else's? So watch this. How do you treat your company property? It's quiet up in here. I know you didn't personally purchase the pens. But how do you manage the resources you're given? How do, it's quiet up in here. How do you manage the resources that you're given? Or do you just simply say, that ain't mine. That ain't mine. I don't, I, don't, I don't care. That's not mine. That's theirs. That ain't mine. Do you steal time from your employer? I'm going to leave 15 minutes early because of you're stealing time. That's bad stewardship. And then you wonder, I just wonder why I can't get a breakthrough. God says, because he didn't see you, but I did. And if you're not faithful with somebody else's, who's going to give you your own? 
This principle applies in every area of life. You know, it's interesting. Sometimes people, you know, sometimes uh, uh, several weeks ago, and people always, you know, come and they talk about, you know, uh, sometimes folks want to pass and do different things. I'm like, well, what mans have you built? I said, you're not even qualified to be a number one because you've been an awful number two. You've been an awful subordinate. What, who in the what dummy would give you your own? I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, God might give it to you just to rebuke you through giving you followers that are like you. It got quiet in the church right there. How do you manage other people's stuff? If you hit somebody's car in the parking lot accidentally, you just, man, hey, man, come on, hurry up, let's go, hurry up, let's go, favor, favor, favor. Ain't nobody watching. Thank you, Jesus. Because you say, but that's not mine, but God says, right, but that's why people keep doing you wrong is because of how you steward somebody else's stuff. If there's any lack, it might be an indictment on your stewardship. But today, say, I'm a great steward. Your, re- your stewardship has to be reset so you're not dishonorable because God says, I look at how you manage resources. And if you don't manage resources well, you're going to have financial funnies. I look at how you manage your time. So if you don't manage your time well, stop asking me to give you more time. Say, I'm a good steward from this day forward. Say, I'm an excellent steward from this day forward. Somebody holler, reset. So everything in your life, you got to see yourself as the manager of. It's not yours. The Bible says all the gold is his, all, everything in the earth is the Lord. So everything that you have is his. It's not yours. You are steward. Which means he wants it back better than how he gave it to it. Check it. Husbands, your wife is stewardship. If she looked toe up after you, then there's a problem. Oh, y'all ain't saying nothing right there. You're the manager. You're supposed to make her better. She may have came to you at a level, but after being with you, she ought to be upgraded. Since ain't nobody going to say nothing to me. It's stewardship. Watch this. Parents, your children are stewardship. Your children ought not look like a late night BET commercial while you walking around in pumps and heels and looking all this and that. Something like a bunch of late night BET commercials. The feed the children commercials. Your children ought not look like they have no parent. Because you're a good steward, your children ought to be excellent. They ought to be well-spoken. They ought to be well-mannered. They ought to be well-dressed. Why? Because God says, I want them kids back better when you give them back to me than when I gave them to you. Half out your neighbors say, I'm a good steward, good steward. It's quiet up in the church. Why did you get excited? Because if you weren't one yesterday, that's over. From this day, I can't do nothing about the past, but I can change my today, which is going to change my tomorrow. That's this. Number three, here's what creates financial funds that has nothing to do with finances. Casual giving. Casual giving. Watch this. Casual giving is a failure to give faithfully the way God commanded us to give, and instead it gives when it wants to, how it wants to, if it wants to, which is why everything always falls through for casual givers. Jobs fall through, opportunities fall through, insurance fall through. Everything falls through for casual givers. Nothing ever works for a casual giver. It works temporarily, then it falls through. Watch this. Uh, Question, question. Uh, uh, What do you think makes your living? I'm just trying to make a living. Then you got to order. Faithful giving provides your living. Your job is a resource, not your source. Which means you make your living off of your giving. 
Which means, watch this. I think I got some witnesses here that when you follow this principle, you could actually be making less but doing more. Why? Because your giving provides for your living. The number one reason, though, it seems like uh, giving doesn't work is because of inconsistency. And for your finances to be on 10, anybody want that to be your life this year and going forward, you must do consistently what others only do occasionally. God says, I'm not into tippers. If you tip me, God says, I'll tip you. You tip me and I'll tip you back. Never stare directly into the sun. It's on before your eyes. It's a tip. Watch this. There are four ways we give as Christians. The tithe. That's the uh, first gross 10% of every dollar earned or received. This includes everything. That's child support, income tax, refunds, alimony, unemployment, babysitting money, Amen. gift cards. Everything. Say everything. Now, then the offering. The offerings are everything above your tithe, and it includes love offerings to your pastor uh, and the first fruit. For they pay four ways. Say tithes. Offerings, first fruits, love offerings. All right, now, there's teaching on that on our website. I don't have time to go into great detail on that. But watch this. You need to understand this. The tithe combined with offerings opens up the windows of heaven, and it rebukes or stops the devourer, according to Malachi chapter 3. And God says, I'll pour you out blessing, which is an empowerment to prosper. Now, check this out. God says uh, the blessing is connected to your finances. Your finances are connected to the blessing. Now, check this out. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 8, he says, Will a man rob God, yet you have robbed me? And you say, In what way have we robbed thee? Read it, church. Read it, church. Read it, church. Notice both of them together. Here it is again. Hogging and dogs, panty and hoes. Oh, I mean, okay, that really didn't come out right. That, that, I meant panty hoes. That, that, that didn't come out right. But this is the 11:15, so y'all, y'all, y'all ain't gonna judge your bishop, right? You ain't gonna judge your bishop. H O S E. Don't make me turn this into a ladies' night experience. Okay. No, 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 no. Okay. Verse. Let me stick to the ones I wrote. Ben and Jerry's. <laughs> All right. In ties, what? And offers. So some people say, Bishop, I'm tithing it's not working because you're only partially obeying. It's tithes and offers. Say both of them. Now, here's what I need you to get. Watch this. He says, when both of them are given faithfully, watch this, I will open up the windows of heaven, I'll rebuke the devourer and pour you out blessing or empowerment to prosper. Now, notice, it's not just necessarily the blessing is an empowerment to prosper, to do well, or to be whole. So it's not necessarily just finances itself. Uh, the blessing is an empowerment. Say empowerment which means it's ideas, opportunities, open doors, inventions, favor, wisdom, the right connections. God says, I'll pour that out when I see faithful giving. If I don't see that, I'm not giving you that. Now, watch this. And it rebukes the devourer, which practically could be stopping a bad financial decision. It could be you avoiding a car accident by you going another way. I was telling this morning, have you ever been driving a certain way and then you're just saying, I don't know, I'm just going to go this way. Your finances were rebuking the devourer because you didn't know there was an accident on that path with your name on it. But your finances gave you a rebuke to the devourer. You're not hearing what I'm saying. It could be you not getting in a relationship with somebody that would have drained you. It could have been you not getting in a friendship with somebody that would have drained you. Because you thought they were somebody great. What you didn't know is that they were coming to suck the life out of you. It could be stopping identity theft. Where they got everybody else's information, but somehow yours uh, didn't get on the report. He says, I'll rebuke the devourer. Which means stuff that just comes to take, I'll rebuke it. Which means you'll just get so, it just seems, watch this. Here's what you'll start saying. It just seems like, too good to be true like I got more than enough 
and everything's good. Like, what's wrong? Nothing's wrong. He's rebuking the devourer. And if you've not been a faithful giver, I declare, hit reset right now and become one today so this can be you. Touch your neighbor and say, this has got to be me too. Now, we pay the tithe, but we sow the offerings. We owe God the tithe. Leviticus 27, that's his. He's owed that. And it offends me sometimes when, I won't say offended because I don't offend easily. It, it aggravates me sometimes when people get attitudes about giving to God, but they don't have an attitude about giving nobody else nothing. You don't have a problem going to McDonald's and giving them their money. Well, not for the next 14 days. You don't have a problem. You, you, you don't have a problem. You don't have a problem going to your doctor and giving them their money. You don't have a problem giving your lawyer his money. He ain't even talking to you until you pay him his money. But then all of a sudden when it comes to God, well, I don't understand. What did, excuse me. I know already said some other stuff. Uh, what's the problem with God? See, it's not a finance issue. It's a faith issue. That's why giving actually doesn't have to do with the finances itself. It has to do with your faith. What does that mean, Bishop? Do you believe what he said or not? Because you, you understand this concept everywhere else. You don't go to the store and just say, I just think you all should give me the food. Why? Well, I just, I mean, don't you love me? If you love me, shouldn't you just give it to me? You don't do that to them. You say, listen, you got what I want. You got what I need. Let me break you off this seed. This is the 1115. So, so, so why do you come to God, Lord? And the Lord is like, where's my money? You ain't got my money? It's the first of the month. You ain't, you ain't got my paper? He doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. And the Bible says, whatever you do with your money is proof of where your heart, which in Hebrew and Greek means your mind. He says, I don't need you. Your $100 ain't moving me, God says. He says, but the fact that you'll give it to me means that I know I got you. And if I got you, that means I got you. Are you catching the principle, church? Now, now, now watch this, watch this. We pay the tithe. He's, that belongs to him. Leviticus 27 says it's holy. It belongs to him. But we sow the offerings because the offerings are seed. Say seed. seed. The bigger seed I sow, the bigger harvest I reap. And since God is looking for somebody to prosper because he gives seed to the sower, it might as well be you. He's looking for somebody to prosper and it might as well be you. You done lived enough of your life wasting time, enough of your life in lack, enough of your life at the bottom. I announce to you, if God is looking for somebody to do something great in, it might as well be you. How five of your neighbors say it might as well be us? Heaven is looking for a sower so he can give them a harvest so they can be a blessing. See, you can't be a blessing if you can't help yourself. And in this reset, you don't just need your needs met. You need more than that so you can be a blessing. So here it is, 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Here's what the book said. The book says, but this I say, he who sows. So what are we excluding right here? The tithe. Why? That belongs to him. That's not negotiable. It's his. Let me give you an example. It's akin to you trying to negotiate with Excel. Well, this is all I think I need to give y'all because I feel like this is the only amount of power I used. Okay. Great. Well, we're going to cut you off until you agree with us. That's like you trying to call Sprint, Verizon, whoever else. Whoever else. AT&T. T-Mobile. A can with a string. <laughs> Some cell phone providers, you'd be better off getting a can, putting a string in between, and some are giving somebody else a can 
and just giving cans to all the people you communicate to regularly because you wouldn't have dropped calls. So I'm like, where is he going with that? Because drop calls aggravate me. No, 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 no. I'm like, I don't understand. Okay, you said that map you showed me. <laughs> all of this here is colored. <laughs> now that's how you sold me on this here deal. And I just don't understand how, how you just drop calls and just, just, oh, oh, just some areas. Well, fix it. Who gets to not perform well and still get paid? Okay, excuse me. I just got on a little tangent. Y'all pray for me. Watch this. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. But this, uh, as I say, he who sows sparingly, it's excluding the tithe because the tithe was automatic. That was understood. He who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. So what is he talking about? The offering. Everything above the tithe. And he who sows what? Bountifully. How is he going to reap? Bountifully. Which means God says your harvest is as big as your seed. You determine it. So never judge somebody's harvest if you didn't first check their seed. If you're seeing somebody with big harvest, it's proof they've sown some big seed. All right? Watch, watch verse number seven. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart. Now, again, here he's saying purposing in your heart because he's, he's excluding the time. And heart here means mind, the, uh, the Hebrew word or Greek word, cardi of our New Testament. Not grudgingly nor of necessity. For God loves the what? Cheerful. Why is the, is the uh, giver cheerful? Because they know my giving is not leaving my life. My giving is staying in my life and going into my future and producing a harvest. Now these aren't Bishop's words. These are God's words. This ain't no hustle. He says that each one give as he purposes in his heart or mind, not grudgingly. Which means God says, if you're going to do it with an attitude, keep your money. You ain't doing me no favors. It's kind of like somebody getting you something after you called to tell them you forgot our anniversary. I don't even want what you're going to give me now. Well, I'm a little different. I'd be like, nah, I'll take it. Don't you forget no more, but you, I'll take it, though. <laughs> Anybody else like me? You can be honest. It's all right. You ain't even got to lie. I will certainly take it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but now watch this. Watch this. Somebody, it, it, it's, it's, uh, it's your birthday. And, 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 and you didn't made announcements to everybody to tell them it's your birthday. You got a birthday ribbon on. It's my birthday, and you, you bought everybody else presents on your job, and then you, and then you come in and be like, birthday. Remember I got you that present? Remember I got you that present? Remember I got you the present? And like, oh, oh, hmm. Happy birthday. HBD. Happy birthday. And you're like, well, wait a minute. So anything they get you after that point is kind of, and then watch this. And when they give it to you, rather than you be saying, thank you, you be like, well, why'd you get this? <laughs> Husbands and wives, y'all know what I'm talking about right now. You already know what I'm talking about. You know, you try to apologize, and you, you turn on some Anita Baker, and I apologize. Believe me, I do. And, you t- and, then, you t- and then, husbands, you t- take your wife a present, something, and she be like, hmm. What'd you get that for? You don't hear the music in the background playing calling about I apologize and the card that says I apologize and the gift that says I apologize. Bishop, what's the point? Look at the text. The text says, God says, I don't want you to do it like you're doing me a favor. I don't want you to do it grudgingly nor of necessity because I love a what? Cheerful giver. Touch your neighbor and say, I'm a cheerful giver. Cheerful 
I'm cheerful because I know that when I give to God, it's not lost. When I give to God, it's only gain. Are you hearing what I'm saying, church? Verse 8. And God is able. Now, here's the part where we shout. And God is able to make all grace. What's grace? Favor. What's grace? When God adds super to your natural. And God is able to add all favor. That's preferential treatment. All grace abound. That means turn toward you. That you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Y'all don't know when to shout. And God is able to make all grace abound toward, say your name. That, say your name. Always having all. Check this out. Which means when you are a faithful giver, even on your worst day, you're still in his always. Which means, who am I preaching to? There's somebody that you went through some rough stuff these last few months and nobody was even able to tell. Why? Because you're living in your always. Which means, because I'm a faithful giver, I always have sufficiency in all things. Somebody holler, always. Watch this. Always having all sufficiency in what? All things. Always having. You see how powerful these words are? Say always having. Come on, talk to me. Let me say always having. Uh, always having what does that imply not lacking and what and what things all things now check this out your giving affects whether or not there's lack in any area put the verse up it says the verse says the verse says I'm gonna tell you what the verse says it says and God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always having all sufficiency in what all things leave it up say all things what does all things mean? Everything. Let me teach y'all a southern word. Need verse up. Say error. Thing. That's a southern, that's southern vernacular for everything. Okay. Got it? So God says he wants you to have all sufficient in what? Everything. Not just your finances and your family. In your body, in your mind. Everything concerning you, he says, he wants you to have always sufficiency in everything. Watch this. And he wants you to have a what? Abundance. Because see, everybody's not dealing with lack. Some people, where you're what's not connecting for you is you're good, you just don't have abundance. But today, but today, we're hitting reset because everybody in the house ain't just going to have their needs met, but everybody in the house has to be walking in abundance. Touch your neighbor and say abundance. Uh, yo, that's not how you touch them. Touch your neighbor and say abundance. Touch them say overflow. Say more than enough. Which means not only do I got me, but I got everybody. I, I, I got all sufficiency in all things. He didn't die for you to be broke, busted, and disgusted. He died so you could have all sufficiency in all things. So, if you're a casual giver, reset today and be a faithful giver. The money isn't the issue. The, it's a faith issue. So, you think it's about the money. It's not about the money because you get it everywhere else. So, the money's not the problem. The issue is a faith issue. See, you don't have a problem putting out money for everything else. But God says, but why do I come up last? But I think I got some witnesses. When he's first, you'll never be last. This brings us to our fourth thing that causes financial funnies dishonored instructions now notice how all three of these things have nothing directly to do with finances absent from building the church bad stewardship casual giving 
which isn't about the money, it's about the faith. You, you get giving to everybody else. You get it. So you understand it conceptually. It's just that you're casual with God until today. Look at the neighbor and say, reset. Now, watch this. Here's the fourth one. Dishonored instructions. Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. But you shall, now notice this, leave it up. He says, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. Here's what he says. He says, um, what you are taught, I want you to keep saying. The issue for some folks is they come to church and they never repeat what they learn. They never rehearse what they learn. So because they don't hear it again, they can't do the next part, which means meditated on day and night, which means it's, what is meditation? It's focused thinking. So today when you leave church, you've got to repeat this so you can focus your thinking on this that you may observe to do all that is written in according to all that is written in for then somebody say then then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success notice this church God tied Joshua's prosperity to his ability to follow instructions question how well do you follow instructions in every area of your life the instruction is stand over here I'm just going to stand over here. because But well, to me, it made more sense to stand over here than over there. So you can't follow instructions, which is why your finances are funny. Luke 8, 18, Jesus says this. Take heed to how you hear. Which means pay attention to how you're listening. And then look at the next part. Whoever has uh, to him, more will be given. And whoever does not have, whatever he seems to have will be taken away from him. Jesus said, listen to me. Touch your neighbor and say, listen. Jesus said, the issue is many people don't listening, uh, listen to learn and uh, listen to follow instructions. They listen to respond. Okay, what's the difference, Bishop? If I'm listening for instructions, if I'm listening uh, to learn, then I am listening without opposition. If I am listening, watch this, to respond, my mind is made up while you're still talking. You've had conversations with people like this where you sit there and you talk and the whole time you're sitting there talking, you know, they keep... <clears throat> Go ahead and finish. Go ahead and finish. Let me tell you what they're just telling you. I've not been listening the whole time. I'm just waiting on your mouth to stop moving because I'm not even listening because my brain only sees red right now. I'm not even listening to nothing you're saying. I'm just waiting on you to stop talking. Then I'll know it's my turn to talk. It's quiet, church. Okay. All right, fellas, I'm going to help you out. Can I help you out, fellas? Especially you sister girls. And that's not a black thing, a white thing. That's a woman thing. Well, actually, it's probably an all-people thing now. What, what's this? What are you trying to say? It, it is where you got so much extra in your communication. Well, you ain't even listening. It's quiet. What I'm trying to figure out is, <laughs> just calm down. Just calm down. Thank you for the honest folk in the church. Thank you. Now, Mr. what are you trying to say? Because you're not listening to learn, you're listening to respond. And there's a difference. Jesus said, take heed to how you listen. Now, check out the principle. He tied Joshua's prosperity and success to his ability to follow instructions. Question, what instruction have you dishonored which has created financial insufficiency, lack, or a lack of abundance? In Jeremiah 23, 4, here it is. God says this. Now, who's saying this? God said, he says this. I will set up shepherds or pastors over them who will feed them. That means teach them, lead them, coach them, instruct them. And they shall what? 
fear no more, nor be dismayed, nor shall they be lacking, says who? The Lord. Check this out. God says, who said it? God did. He said, I give you a pastor. I give you a man of God to teach you, lead you, coach you, instruct you. And if you follow those instructions, here's what you won't have. Fear. Here's what you won't have. Dismay. What is dismay, Bishop? It's stressed, discouraged, beaten down, breaking down. He says, you won't be stressed out, discouraged, beaten down, or broken down. Watch this last part. And you won't be lacking. And lacking here has a financial context, but it's greater because in Hebrew, the language of our Old Testament, it literally means to number, which means whenever I check my numbers, if I'm following instructions, they're always going to be good. You're missing it. You're missing it, church. Touch your neighbor and say, stay with Bishop. What instruction have you dishonored that's created fear, stress, and lack? Thank you for the two amens. I counted. Watch this. Look at the verse. And then we're going to shout. Because if you've had fear, dismay, or lack, that ends now. It's as simple as a, simple as a, first, he says, I will set up pastors over you. Who's got, whose idea is that? God's idea. So for all them people you got friends, I don't go to church, I don't go to church, they're out of order. It's God's idea. It's his idea. I would say, and all them people who try to self-pastor, out of order. Totally out of line. But they watch something on YouTube talking about they're a preacher. Yo, it got real quiet right there. They didn't watch two YouTube videos, and now they at lunch trying to school you. It's quiet. <laughs> Verse. I will set up shepherds, what? Over them, who will feed them. That's teach, instruct, uh, instruct, guide, coach. And they shall fear no more. Why won't they fear? Because they followed the instruction. Nor shall they be dismayed, stressed out, discouraged. Why? They followed the instruction. Nor shall they be lacking. What's implied? In any area of their life. Why? Because they followed the instruction. Here's what you need to tell lack. Bye. Here's what you need to tell fear. Bye. I'm here to tell you you are good enough. I'm here to tell you you do have what it takes. I'm here to tell you you were born for such a time as this. I'm here to tell you your greatest days are now. You are walking in them. Touch your neighbor and say, fear has to go. And look at he says, he says, and you won't be dismayed, stressed out, discouraged. If you ever done just so stressed, you don't listen. That's why you're stressed. I'm just so discouraged right now. You don't listen. I'm just in the middle of a breakdown, Bishop. You don't listen. Bishop, I just feel so beat down by life. You don't listen. Because when you come to church, you come for comfort, not for instruction. You come here to get instruction. And I can't talk about the food served up nowhere else. But I know what I serve. Feed you, feed you. He said, they'll they'll feed you, they'll feed you. That's what I said, this is good eating. Even on my worst day, it's still good eating. You understand? Now, that ain't being pretentious. You just got to know your value. That's not being pretentious. You just got to know your value. He says, I will set up shepherds over you who's going to feed you. So there'll be no more fear, no more stress, no more lack. If you experience fear, stress, and lack, it can always be traced to an ignored or dishonored instruction from a life-giving message. And I want to challenge our church, especially during this time of fasting and during this time of reset, to not see these messages as suggestions, but see them as solutions. And when you follow the instructions, you can stand on the promise, watch this, that God obligated himself to. Who said that? Who said that? Now put the verse up. Now remember that whole L-O-R-D thing? 
So God says, he said this personally. You, you ever, you ever um, had an issue, leave the verse up, you ever had an issue uh, with uh, you know, an institution or a place and, and you wanted to talk to a manager? Because, because you're just like, you clearly can't handle this. I need to get somebody that can handle it. So you talk to somebody in charge. Got it. And then they said, I want to assure you we're going to handle this and, and we apologize and we're going to make sure we get you a, a freshly cooked brownie because we know they really, <laughs> or whatever it is. You get the point? God says, I want to personally come out to tell you this. If you will not dishonor the instructions that I gave you, your pastor, to give you instructions, if you'll stop dishonoring those instructions, you'll have no more fear. You will have no more stress, discouragement, and breakdowns. And your money will no longer be funny. Your change will no longer be strange. And every time people look at you, they'll just say, they don't ever lack for nothing. They always got this, always got that, always doing this, always doing that. Why? I know how to listen. And I'm out of time. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10, that's V-I-A-T-O-R-10, for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app? Over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Hey, Cricket customers. Max with ads is included with your Cricket $60 unlimited plan at no additional cost. Max is the streaming platform where you can watch Scoob, Meg 2 The Trench, The Nightmare on Elm Street Collection, and so much more. Remember me. Just log in with your Cricket username and password to experience Max on all your favorite devices. We've never seen this before. Max, the one to watch for a good scream with Cricket. Yeah! Phone plan streams and standard definition. Programming subject to change. Fees, terms, and restrictions apply. See cricketwireless.com for details.